This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lady Kelsey of Lethbridge, whose words are, a drop of golden sun. If you'd like to hear your name at the start of the show and receive exclusive Westeros content, hit us up at patreon.com forward slash bend the knee. Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra, the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire uh, book club. We are covering chapter nine, uh, Tyrion, today. And we also have a little um, Doom of Valyria yeah. to get into. So uh, this will be a actually a shorter episode. Both of these chapters are extremely short. But then next week's, uh, we're contemplating doing two episodes because it's yeah. so long. <laughs> it's, uh, especially the world of ice and fire part is huge. So, yeah. So, um, real quick notes here. Uh, if you'd like to call in to the show, uh, our number is 614-547-2350. Uh, send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. And with that, we jump into our first segment, the small council. Yeah. This is where we uh, kind of go over just some updates on life, updates on um, the book, the series, the show. What do you got for us today, Matt? Um, well, announced this week, obviously, we saw the cover art of Fire and Blood. Yeah. So um, we there was a while back, there was the German art shown, and it was said it was going to release sometime in November, and everybody kind of thought that it was going to be, you know, probably a worldwide release and that is certainly the case so taken from Gurr's not a blog mm-hmm. no winter is not coming not in 2018 at least <laughs> wow you're going to have to keep waiting for the winds of winter it's just like the show winter takes you know couple years to get to yeah us. you will however be able to ter- return to westeros this year as i suggested back over on live journal so he just moved his not a blog mm-hmm. um that's what he's referring to there archmaester galden yeah glidane i don't know glidane um has a has at last completed and delivered the first half of his monumental history of the Targaryen kings of Westeros, Fire and Blood, and Bantam, Spectra, and Harper Collins Voyager will be releasing the hardcover on November 20th, I am thrilled to say. I've seen the Archmaester's manuscript since it is handwritten on uh, vellum. Mm-hmm. With a quill pen, he uh, required my help in transcribing the text to a more modern format. Wow. Yeah, WordStar 4.0 on a DOS computer. That mm-hmm. is something interesting is that Gurr says he writes everything on an old computer that can't even connect to the internet. That's awesome. Uh, took a while, but a few weeks ago I was able to ship it off to my editors on both sides of the Atlantic and to, and to my foreign representatives for all the publishers around the world. Some of my foreign publishers will be releasing their editions simultaneously with the U.S. and U.K. hardbacks. Others may need to wait for a translation from the common tongue. It's a hefty book, almost a thousand manuscript pages. Okay, 989 if you want to be precise. That's not quite as long as A Game of Thrones or any of the later volumes in A Song of Ice and Fire, but there's a lot of reading there, and I hope you'll enjoy it. This is the this first volume covers the Targaryen kings from Aegon the First, that's Aegon the Conqueror, to the Regency of Aegon. 
Aegon III, the Dragonbane, along with their wives, wars, siblings, children, friends, rivals, laws, travels, and sundry other matters. For those of you not up on your Westeros history, that's Aegon I, Aenys, Megor the Cruel, Jaehaerys I, Viserys, oh, Viserys I, Aegon II, and Aegon III. Oh, and there are dragons too. Lots of dragons. Of course, the story doesn't end with the regents of Aegon III. There's a lot more history to come, and Archmaester Galadin will get to all of that, uh, too, in Fire and Blood Volume 2. But that's a few years down the pike, so don't get impatient. Galadin will get it to us eventually, but he's old, and so am I. Which of course makes wow. us nervous. <laughs> and, and we both have other projects to tend to as well. The Citadel puts a lot of demand on an Archmaester's time. Oh, and I almost forgot the best part. Fire and Blood will be illustrated throughout. It won't be a huge coffee book table with art on every page like A World of Ice and Fire, but there will be lots of interior artwork. Think more along the lines of the spe- uh, special anniversary edition of A Game of Thrones we did a few years ago, or the gorgeous hardcover of A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Duncan Egg Collection. We'll have more than 75 black and white illustrations done by artist Doug Wheatley. And here's uh, then he shows us a peek of the cover, which we posted on our Facebook page. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. that that cover that uh, it definitely looks like when we look at the Targaryen sigil today, this definitely looks like a more, I guess want to use primitive, mm-hmm. yep, like war banner, which yep. is cool. Yep. Um, so it's a, it's just a white, fla- a white burning flag with three red dragon heads. Yeah. Um, it, it looks epic. And the, the, the flag is on fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some conflicts. He talked, he said there would be wars, uh and what have you um what's that next black and white we have a um yeah black and a black and white image we don't uh, don't really know it is just a dragon and it does appear as if someone is riding it you can kind of see there it's kind of hard because it's small um there's definitely someone uh, riding on it and it looks as if they are destroying some cities but if you look at the archetype the architecture in this Mm -hmm. picture it doesn't. It looks more like Essos mm-hmm. to me than it does um, Westeros. So that's my my guess that this picture is maybe, you know, the ending of of Essos as they. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that today a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, I was wondering if that's one of those black and white drawings that's going to be in the book. Oh, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty that's cool. It's a pretty detailed drawing. Oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah, definitely detailed. And so that's probably the kind of artwork if you've looked at the special edition Game of Thrones version that has some artwork in it. That's what he says it's going to be like. Um, anyway, so long times, long time fans and readers of my not a blog will know the entire history of a fire and blood, but there are some of you who do not. This is the book that I used to jokingly refer to as uh, the Gurmillion, <laughs> which is yeah. a Lord of the Rings reference to the Gurmillion. That is to say, my version of Tolkien's mammoth history of Middle Earth. In my case, the focus is on Targaryens from Aegon's conquest to Robert's rebellion. Um, these histories began a few years back as a series of sidebars intended for the world of ice and fire, our huge illustrated coordinates, but I got carried away as I tend to do. And before the long sidebars got so long, they were threatening to overwhelm the entire book. So we pulled them out of that volume and saved it for this one. And then this book is apparently so, so big Mm -hmm. that he had to pull it back, which seems to be a George RR Martin kind of a thing because that's kind of what a dance for dragon a mm-hmm. dance with dragons is is mm-hmm. it was a dance with dragons and a feast for crows were supposed to be one book 
which is why it's kind of the timing in that is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of weird. Yep. Um, so then he just goes on to talk a little bit more about it. And, um, you know, he says, this is not a traditional narrative and it was never intended intended to be. Some of my fans have objected to the term fake history, uh, which he uses that term quite a, a bit when he's talking about, you know, these history volumes as opposed to just the, the novel. And he just go, he goes on there. So it's not a novel. It's more of kind of a history I guess book. Yeah, but this is what this is interesting. I didn't know he was doing this, so he was legitimately releasing a lot of this on that forum. Mm-hmm. And because you know he just mentions here later on, and I'm sure you might be getting to this, but the Sons of the Dragon um, is a book that I read, which is basically he he was a bunch of authors got together, and um, it was a book of swords, you mm-hmm. know, and they were talking about Blackfire, and it's basically um, Aegon's sons. Yeah, you know, in a sense, and what what he's saying here is that that was what you get in that book is what he people had already seen and was already on his not a blog, yeah. which is crazy cool. So man, he's it's important to pay attention to that blog. It is. He's got that some, blog's been going for a very very long time. Yeah. So sifting through it, so maybe that's another reason why he moved it. Yeah. Um, you know, the book I bought, the Ice Dragon, mm-hmm. which publisher say like on on the because it's published by so many you know different publishers i guess whatever mm-hmm. the i bought it um because i'd read you know online about it. oh hey he published this book and it takes place during the events you know in the world of a song of ice and fire but gur on his blog says nope can't don't don't trust those publishers i wrote this way but he wrote this in like the 1980s he's like wrote this way before mm-hmm. yeah the game yeah. of thrones so I just kind of chalk it up as uh, old Nan's tale, but yeah, an old yeah. Nan's tale, <laughs> an that's old a Nan's good one. tale. But uh, yeah, so you got That's why his blog is uh, super important. So anyway, the uh, he just goes on to kind of say it's not a novel, but then he says the important thing is November twentieth. Mark it down in your calendars. Okay, we will do that. Oh, we will be doing that. That is huge. Let me go back up here to some of the stuff that you had listed out because I wasn't sure how far it would go, but it's going to mm-hmm. get to Aegon the Third, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of a cliffhanger that it might leave us on, but that is huge. Um, right. It's got the it'll have the Sons of the Dragon piece in there, and probably more of the battles and stuff that took place and the mm-hmm. passing down of Blackfire and all of that, yeah. you know, uh, goodness or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's that's a that's a right about where you and I thought it would because we were talking throughout the week and Sir Ezra and I were saying that we were thinking about where it was going to be because it was in two volumes and we were yeah. kind of, we were both kind of saying it's probably going to Blackfire Rebellion is about where it's going to split. Yeah. And so that's it. So if it ends with Aegon the Third, then say that's a good place for it to end. So then you start with Aegon. I guess maybe you start with it ends with him being born. You start with him. And then you have his kids. Mm-hmm. You get to Egg on the Fourth, and that's where the Blackfire Rebellion yep. starts. And maybe yeah. that's another reason why he wants to push that part of it towards um, the end. You know, so that way maybe he can get Winds of Winter done. We know yeah. he's also doing. There's supposed to be more Duncan Egg stuff right. coming, yeah. and so maybe that's another reason is he was like, and I man, want to get another Duncan Egg done before yeah. that comes out. And I think he writes those a little. Like I mean, I know he still takes his time on those, and they're mm-hmm. they're integrated or whatever. But yeah, he would want to get. I almost think he would want to get um, Fire and Blood done before he gets to the Duncan Egg stuff. Yeah. Well, at least have an he has to have an outline as to where he's going to go with it. But yeah, this is really really interesting because you have like a big uh, Aegon's conquest mm-hmm. battle situation to start this one, and then you would have the Blackfire Rebellion 
to start the next one. You know, there's a bunch of Dance of Dragons and stuff. It would be in the volume yeah. one as well, too. So here's a but, so here so here's a question for you. And yeah. actually, some uh, someone kind of mentioned this uh, a little bit on our on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, someone had asked us what we thought. Oh, um, so I'll just kind of read it now. So Matty V, he's hit us up yeah. a couple times. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, we put it on our follow up Friday. Um, he had asked us. He'd asked us some questions and we responded to it. And so this one, he said, um, yeah, so glad to see the announcement of Fire and Blood. They say it's not a novel. So he said, my question for you guys is, um, and it kind of goes into this, is like, what do you think the TV the TV series is going to be? Because he says it's one of the spinoffs because it's not going to be Robert's Rebellion. He also said it's not going to be Duncan Egg. So I'm starting to think it might be Aegon's Conquest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I thought more about that when you when you shared that question with that Matty V had sent us, um, and and I thought more about this. Where would you start? Because you want to start somewhere in which you could carry on and move forward, right? So if it starts at Aegon's Conquest, you have everything in front of that that you could get to. And really, what's the point of going too much? Like like, there's really no attachment i guess for us is re- i mean your deep and sweaty fans would, would it'd be cool to see something with nymeria and some stuff like that that's before this yeah. but really is there much that we would want to well you know it, see well before aegon's conquest yeah and you know, as we, we've been kind of discussing that we think the books might be quite totally different than the show but the show is at least leading us down the direction obviously that r plus l equals j and that john is also a targaryen mm-hmm. so you know, the Targaryen house actually is one we don't really get a lot of in the show outside of Daenerys. Yeah. And, it, and then just stories about people talking about how terrible the Mad King was. Right. Yep. And stuff like that. So you're going to end it with John being a Targaryen. Well, then that's going to be the house that everyone kind of thinks is really cool. Because right now it's the Starks because they are mostly presented as the main characters in the show. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do a spinoff, do it about why this house Targaryen is such an important House, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm start, yeah, I'm starting to think Aegon's conquest for sure is it. We see now we have fire and blood, and yeah, and there's so many things in this whole piece. You know where he says, so it's not a novel. And wants everyone to to remain clear on that. Um, does that, if leave, you, that leaves it open for him to write a novel? Later. It does, and he says there's enough stories here to write twenty novels. Because that's what he can do. He can take a little story right. uh, about somebody betrayed somebody, and that's a huge story, and they could take mm-hmm. whatever. Because this is going to span over a couple, you Centuries. know, uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And you've got a couple generations here too, you know, obviously. So, um, anyways, if you go and read um, the Sons of the Dragon, I bet it will be a lot like that because yeah. that that wasn't a novel, but there was enough in there. There was enough that it was sort of like. Um, it, it wasn't just like it wasn't like a history book. You would still get some conversations, you know, so and so said this to so and so, and you got some dialogue, but it wasn't necessarily a novel. Right. So it's very it's different. So yeah. So that you think that's what it's going to be like is probably yeah. similar to that. Okay. Yeah, and I think I think there'll be like like really important conversations that took place, you know, that you know you won't have every little back and forth dialogue, whatever. But that's it's kind of different from what he likes to do. Right, right. Because in in a Game of Thrones, he likes to tell you their eye color, their hair color, their right. you know what what fruit and uh, vegetables were on the table, mm-hmm. you know. But in this, it's it's more like here are the bare bones, and, and and all of this could be multiple volumes and novels and you know what have you. So so yeah, 
it's it's crazy. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild. But I would imagine it's more. It gives us a little bit more than a world of ice and fire, because um, it kind of zooms in on just the conquest. Yeah. So, and yeah. A, and obviously a lot less than the Game of Thrones. So probably yes. somewhere around maybe what like Dunkin' Egg is like. Yeah, maybe except for less than that though. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It's gonna be a weird, yeah. it's gonna be different. That's why I say like to go read the Sons of the Dragon, and I mean it's um, his book is like the last book. Um, in that book in, of stories. In, in all in that book of stories, yeah. But uh so I skipped right to the end and it's it's very different. So Okay. But cool. It was a lot of fun. So all right. Okay, all right. Well that is it for our Gur watch, as we as we like to call it. Uh, and, uh, but he does say, as for me, I'm once again returning to the winds of winter. Good, that a boy. And you know what? Honestly, this is why you know, people have criticized him, right? And and I think even here and there i've always said even back when we first did like the youtube channel i was like let him be let mm-hmm. him do his thing because he is just a master writer and, and and is working on this so and i didn't want him to rush anything well i think uh, i think I, I like that he is you know he's letting other people kind of write stuff he's just like okaying it and stuff like that because he does realize hey like people really want this content. And Mm -hmm. so he's like, okay, well, you know, give them content. That's why he goes and he does his readings where he'll read like another chapter from Mm -hmm. winds of winter or something like that, because the demand is so high. Yeah. And you know, I mean, you know, when you look at other book series, you know, like these people write books and then as you know, as you look with, with like twilight and Harry Potter and all these kind of things, I don't think these people ever imagined that their books would then get turned into TV shows or movies and oh, yeah. then the right. demand is that much more. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's dive into the uh, Maester's study here. And uh, as we said at the top of the show, um, this will be around the doom of Valeria. And mm-hmm. so I'll do just a recap and then I'll let Matt kind of yeah. jump into this one. Um, last week we talked about... Um, Nymeria and the Roynish Wars, the 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 Roin and what happened with the Spice Wars and and how all of that uh, was it was it um, Garrus is mm-hmm. it uh, the Great or whatever mm-hmm. and how you know he led um, you know a quarter of a million troops south and 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 everyone went and Nymeria was against it and they just get annihilated they just mm-hmm. get destroyed they face down three dragons and mother roin protects them with their with uh with the, with her waters uh the water wizards are doing everything that they can but um they could not hold off 300 dragons uh and that's what they faced so they were utterly destroyed and Nymeria um sails all over the place. And I do want to say, I have seen a theory since then, uh, Sir Matt, and there is, and I wondered this when I was reading it, and I was like, huh, it, you, 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 you'll read something, you'll be like, okay, that's weird, maybe I'm just missing something, maybe I don't see it on the map, I don't understand how she, you know, got past Valentis mm-hmm. and Valeria, mm-hmm. but perhaps she had help, yeah. and perhaps she was not at those battles. She supported, air quote here, and sent her men, you know, with um, the rest of the troops. But I wonder if there was some secret sort of, like, she did not support the yeah. the war effort. And she well, had warrior, 
you know, mm-hmm. women with mm-hmm. her that she kept from the fighting forces, mm-hmm. I would say. Well, you got to Here's the thing. When it comes specifically to A World of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. it is told through us through like the eyes of maesters. Mm-hmm. And so even Gurr, I believe, has kind of, you know, said that like, well, this book is specifically told through the eyes of maesters. And a, a YouTube channel that Sir Ezra and I have been watching a lot of yeah. is the Order of the Green Hand. God, those beautiful, wonderful people. They yeah, make me so angry, they, but I love them so much. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I've been listening to a lot of their stuff this week. And they kind of they are big believers in that and that they're that this book should not be taken completely as like 100 percent. Absolutely. Actual, actual, actual fact. And, uh, you know, and then when you just look at Gurr's writing in general, he sets up so much foreshadowing and so much. He likes to kind of trick you and all this kind of oh, yeah. stuff. So oh, yeah. that is something you do kind of have to take. But think about this. So in the show, I mean, in, in the book as well, people are like, oh, Joffrey was the one that won the Battle of King's Landing, the siege against Stannis Baratheon, right? And Joffrey's like telling everyone, no, mm-hmm. I won it. I right, did it. Right. Even though we all know it was Tyrion. Right. Yep. But then the people yes. in 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 King's Landing believe that, oh, it was Joffrey. And mm-hmm. so then that's where you see discrepancies of what people are talking about. Just look at John just look at Jon Snow's parentage or mm-hmm. Ned Stark and Ashara Dane or yeah. Ned Stark and Wyla you know what I mean? And so even like other people don't agree with these oh, yeah. things in the book. So no, you're right. that if is you- that is one that is I would say a big difference between just oh, a song of ice and fire and everything that it encompasses and other mm-hmm. books, whereas other book series are pretty much more okay this is it happened this is what happened and here's the story yeah it is everything is gray with with Gurr. it's well, all <laughs> yeah and honestly in these history texts i like that's what was one of the cool pieces is you have possibly unreliable narrators mm-hmm. because they themselves are relying on another possibly unreliable source of information mm-hmm. you know um and the joffrey situation is a a perfect example of that because I'll just I'll briefly just kind of what what I, I saw wasn't even really a theory. I someone just made an offhanded comment about this on a YouTube video we we're watching. They they said the same thing that I said, which was how did they get past Valeria? How did Nymeria right. sail right past south underneath um, Valeria? Mm-hmm. I said the same thing too, and I was reading it, and I was like, okay, there there's more to that. Then there's something that yeah. that happened, and she was had some alliance of some kind or bought passage in some way, mm-hmm. and I think it could have been something like giving up. The location of the army mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or, well, or things. There's even there's one thing in here in the in the chapter we're going to read today, and something that hasn't made sense to me is so this the chapter we're going to get into today is about the doom of Valyria, but it talks about how okay, so the dragon lords, you know, the Valyrians create Dragonstone, right? They raise Dragonstone, whatever, from the yep. ground, and Dragonstone's right off the core, right off the shore yep. of. Westeros. I mean, it's literally right there. Yep. Essos, if you look at where Dragonstone is compared to Essos, it's like yeah. way over here. Yeah. But they have their dragons and they can fly over there. And But it, it, it uh, this chapter talks about how, you know, it says briefly, well, Valyrian weapons started to filter into Westeros. Mm-hmm. So it, it on one hand, it tries to make it seem as if they had they didn't care about Westeros, even mm-hmm. though they're right next to it. But yeah. they are at least trading with them or or something. Somehow these Valyrian steel weapons are getting filtered in there. And so that, they say, for like hundreds of years. So that just, to me, that seems weird. Like, so what, the, they just, they're just not worried about like, 
their backyard, like, and then they're just like, oh, I'm still focused on Essos. That doesn't make any. That's just weird. Well, yeah. Or I wonder if it was like the like the like they're trading Valyrian steel with with uh, with Westeros, but it's almost like they don't quite know what it all, what all is there. Right. And also, they know that they have chased their enemies to Westeros. Yeah. And now they're just they're 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 trading with them and getting. You know, you're right. It almost seems like it's an out. It is an outpost. They call it an outpost later. Yeah. But like it's, um, it's like a far western outpost. The most, it's as right. far west as their empire went, and um, it's almost like it's also a scouting ground too. Yeah. To scout out, like that would be, and it is, the launching point of you know an attack of some kind if they were going yeah. to have one. Yeah. Which yeah. Know? Yeah. Which we'll yeah we'll get to this chapter, but. Yeah, Sir Ezra brings up a good point about the Nymeria stuff, too. Yeah, that's the, the thing. Especially these early chapters in yeah. this book are quite vague. Yeah. So. Yes, they are. Yep. So remember that as we as we get into the Doom of Valyria. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, here I just have some, some sections I really specifically want to kind of talk about here. So, you know, the Doom of Valyria is always described as some something happened where, the, you know, as we've kind of discussed, the Valyrians. So you had the, the first men who moved out of Es of Essos, mm-hmm. the Andals who sailed over, and then you have kind of the Roinar who come over here. So now you still have the Valyrian Empire over there. Yep. With the destruction of the Roinar, Valyria soon achieved complete domination of the western half of Essos. From the Narrow Sea to Slaver's Bay and from the Summer Sea to the Shivering Sea, slaves poured into the Freehold and were quickly dispatched beneath the 14 flames to mine the precious gold and silver the Freeholders loved so well. Perhaps in preparation for their crossing of the Narrow Sea, the Valyrians also established their westernmost outpoint on the isle that would become to know as Dragonstone, some 200 years before the Doom. No king opposed them, and though the local lords of the Narrow Sea made some effort to resist it, the strength of Valyria was too great. With their arcane arts, their Valyrians raised the citadel at Dragonstone. Hmm. Uh, During the next two centuries, Valyrian steel would trickle through the Seven Kingdoms, and it would not be uncommon to see a dragon flying above the Blackwater Bay. Uh, Then it says Valyria continued, however, to focus on matters of their native continent yep and so to this day no one knows what caused the doom of valyria most say that it was a natural cataclysm a catastrophic event caused by the eruption of the 14 flames together and the 14 flames by the way is like a a series of like kind of volcanoes Mm -hmm. and that's actually our vocab word for today so we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of save that but it's mentioned quite a bit when you talk about old valyria yeah some septums less wise claim it was the valyrian the valyrians brought disaster on themselves for their promiscuous beliefs and a hundred gods and more and in their godlessness they delved too deep and unleashed the fires of the seven hells on the freehold a handful of macers influenced by the fragments of work of septum barth hold that valyria used uh, spells of the 14 flames for thousands of years that their ceaseless hunger for slaves and wealth as much to sustain the spells as to expand their power and that last uh, the last of those spells faltered and the cataclysm became inevitable so even in that little passage right there i mean listen to the this maester says this this yeah. maester say this some believe this mm-hmm. so again you just have to kind of take kind of everything as yeah <laughs> and and they use spells to tame the 14 flames right for thousands of years, um, that their ceaseless hunger for slaves and wealth was as much to sustain these these spells. So, 
as it was to expand their power. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, that's interesting, mm-hmm. that little bit. I mean, it's it's sort of feels like it's laced with some truth, mm-hmm. you know, but then also we don't completely understand it. Yeah. Doesn't you know? the Doom of Valyria sound quite like something else, another kind of cataclysmic, cataclysmic event that happened that is also described just as vaguely? The breaking of the neck. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, maybe it was a spell. Maybe it was like an yeah. earthquake. I don't, we don't really know. Like, yeah, yeah. Where you've got the uh, the stepstones still and, uh-huh. and stuff like that. Yeah, that whole piece where the arm, yeah, was was broken. That would be very similar. Yeah, and was that magic? Or the, was the arm? Spells? Excuse me, not the neck. The arm. Yeah, yeah. But there was. They were. You were writing that the neck is where they were casting those from. Mm-hmm. They were up near the Isle of Faces, and they were. It was believed that there could have been some spell work done up in that area to... Well, they did try something at the neck. Yeah, they did, yeah. They did, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Remember, they were trying to basically split, like cut off mm-hmm. uh, north from south at mm-hmm. the neck. So that failed. Yeah. But the breaking of the arm apparently could have been um, you know, a successful attempt. Yeah. So, so okay, here. So then uh, one thing that can be said for certain is that it was a chasm... Ca- uh, Cataclysm such as the world had never seen. The ancient mighty freehold, home to the dragons, to sorcerers of unraveled skilled, was shattered and destroyed within hours. It was written that every hill for 500 miles split asunder to fill the air with ash and smoke and fire so hot and hungry that even the dragons in the sky were engulfed and consumed. The time of the dragons in Essos was at an end. Um, so then it kind of goes on to mention what kind of happened to the Valyrian Empire. Mm-hmm. Valantis, the mightiest of the free cities, quickly laid claim to Valyria's mantle. Many of the women, men and women of noble Valyrian blood, though not dragon lords, called for their war upon other cities. The Tigers, as those who advocated conquest, came to be known uh led Volantis into a great conflict with other free cities. So this is where you see these like uh, other Valyrian kind of uh, folk coming about. And this is kind of, this is kind of how we get into like the cell swords and a lot of this kind of stuff in the, in Essos. And then, um, sorry, Sir Ezra, I didn't have this in my notes here, but we both, we both have the book open in front of us. So then we kind of see this Targaryen, uh, dragon lord known as Aegon Targaryen, who uh, right. <laughs> kind of big deal, big deal. Uh, he kind of ends up becoming involved in 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 these struggles. His ancestors had long looked east, but his attention, even from an early age, had always been focused on the west. Yeah, and I think he was wasn't he in charge? Well, let's see. Or no, he just remembers that old um, mm-hmm. Western, uh, you know, like you know, Dragonstone, and so mm-hmm. decides to go there later on. That's next chapter, but uh, but yes, yeah, so you're right, v- Volantis. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've used those interchangeably, like Valeria yeah. Volantis, just because it is. They kind of do launch like a uh, like that's where they people who were close. It's uh, you, when you think of the Roman Empire, right, and people who were out away from it when it fell and right. stuff. Those would be the people who were like, wait, we're still, we're still good. Right. We're still yeah. like, well, it actually, you know, and when I was thinking about this, um, it seemed, it actually reminds me so much of 
Rome in that Rome got so big. At one point, Rome had to have like four emperors and then, you know, it kept growing. And then, of course, like Rome, the city of Rome fell. And but then it kind of turned into the Byzantine Empire. And so it kind of sounds like that's kind of similar to what happens here. And maybe that's where Gur was drawing his inspiration from, as we talked about during our follow-up Friday, the War of the Roses and stuff like that. Well, if you look at European history, you know, what's the first huge empire is Rome, and then it kind of splits over time and does its own thing, and then other, you know, empires kind of start to grow and stuff like that. So, Yeah, I kind of want to read a little bit of this. Um, yeah, go ahead. So, because this is kind of interesting to me, the... Um, you know that they led Volantis into great conflict with other free cities. Um, they had great success at first, right? Um, their fleets and their armies. I mean, again, you imagine this: how far did this empire spread? And anybody who needed to fall back and check in on, you know, what was happening in Valeria, like that happened within hours. I can't imagine right. that the all the armies and all their whole empire is immediately destroyed. They would. Right. It sounds like they're consolidating or. Or if they're leaderless, they're being taken over by some of the other princes and freeholds. Right. And, and, I mean, the, to, to, to reference another source material here, mm-hmm. does the how quickly does the empire fall when the death when the Death Star the second yeah. Death Star is blown up? Exactly. And, there's remnants. Know, there's yeah, remnants. There's tons of remnants and things yeah. like that. So yeah. So um, it looks like here. Um, let's see. Um, it was only when they had overreached and attempted to seize Tyrosh as well that their um, that their empire collapsed. Unnerved by the Volantine aggression, Pentos actually joins with the Tyrashi in resistance. Uh, Mir and Lys uh, rebelled, and the Sea Lord of Bravos provided a fleet of 100 ships to aid Lys. So they kind of get together, yeah. right? Um, and, um, and, and they also get a little help from the Westerosi Storm King, right? He, he, mm-hmm. he helps them uh, in, 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 uh, into the disputed lands in return for promise of gold and glory. Um, that defeated a volunteer host attempting to retake Mir. Um, Mir. Yeah. Um, near the end, even the future conqueror, the, um, the still young Aegon Targaryen, became involved in the struggle. His ancestors had long looked east, but yeah, as you as you said, he's turning his attention west. Um, still, Pentos and and Tyrosh approached him, inviting him to join a grand alliance against Volantis. He listened, and for reasons unknown to this day, he chose. To heed their call, to a point. Mm-hmm. Say what? Yeah, mounting the black dread, it is said that he flew to the east, meeting with the prince of Pentos and the magisters of the free city, and from there flew Balaran to Lys in time to set ablaze a Valentine fleet that was preparing to invade the free city. Wow! So he basically—I mean, he has his own dragon and basically yep. switches sides. Yep. Yeah. Stern cloak. Yeah. Are you serious? The first of the Blackfire. <laughs> no. And then, uh, yeah. So then the big set, the big thing I have here, uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit further down on the page there. As for Aegon Targaryen, shortly after his role in defeating Volantis, it is written that he lost all interest in affairs of the East. Believing Volantis rule at an end, he flew back to Dragonstone and now no longer distracted by the wars of Essos, he turned his gaze west wow wow that is actually epic i did not realize that he joined up um with with pentos and tyrosh there Mm -hmm. to be honest with you 
So, so yeah, guys, next week is actually, I believe, Aegon's Conquest, and it is a huge chapter. So Yeah, that's one of those that we might still do at the front, or we could do a quick reread, get the reread done, and then... So I believe I, this might be, we might have luck out this week, and next week's uh, reread chapter might be quite short. So Yeah, from what I know with it, John, I actually listened to it today. It's, it's not that long. Not much mm-hmm. longer. It's just barely longer than Tyrion's chapter. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, that takes us into the, re- the reread today. Um, we are going to uh, recap here shortly and talk about last chapter. We were, um, the point of view there was, was Bran, mm-hmm. correct? So, um, just in recap there, Matt, you want to read through some of that and then I'll do the uh, summary? Yeah, uh, Bran had been left behind while his uh, older brother Rob joins the hunt. No one can find Jon Snow. He's off being angry. John and Arya are girls and not, you know, going on the hunt. So Bran just decides to start climbing. Mm-hmm. And then he comes across a conversation in which he runs into Jamie Lannister and the Queen. And yep. he has a fall. He does have a fall. He does. Um, so let's see. And if there's anything, I don't think there's anything we got. Uh, from our listeners that we need to and recap nothing uh, really no nope, I don't think so okay so if you guys do have thoughts for the 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 recap or things that you'd like to talk about um, you know from last week please send this to us even if it's like chapter one and you just kind of jump jump in here and you're listening and you want to send us something about chapter one or chapter two that we missed I mean that's our time to kind of recap the story overall not just next chapter the last chapter but just in general. Uh, so send us those, send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com, or just send us a message on Facebook, uh, or post a comment uh, on the thread. Each week we post a thread on Facebook. So, uh, the summary for this week, our, our Tyrion chapter, uh, Tyrion is shook from his reading when he hears a direwolf howling in the distance. It's been a long night of reading in the Sept at Winterfell. Tyrion heads out to find his brother and sister, but not before he runs into his nephew, Joffrey Baratheon. He scolds his nephew for not paying his respects to Lord and Lady Stark. Tyrion finds his family eating breakfast and discusses the condition of young Bran. Mm-hmm. And so it's very short, but there yeah. is some meaningful um, you know, stuff in here that we'll get to. Yeah. And uh, I think it, we've, you divide us into a couple... Uh, into two halves for us, Sir Matt? Yeah, uh, yeah normally we do thirds, but again, uh, these past couple chapters are... Short here. So first part I would say is Tyrion speaks to Joffrey mm-hmm. and the Hound, and then Tyrion speaks to Jamie and Cersei. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the first part is basically Tyrion. Um, it is kind of interesting, and maybe we should dive into this later uh, when Tyrion is speaking. He's at the the library and he's you know kind of doing some some research there but then he just ends up walking out to the yard and where he runs into joffrey and the hound and he basically tells joffrey hey you know he says why aren't you you haven't you haven't spoken you haven't uh yeah paid your respects yeah you you haven't paid your respects to lord you know lord and lady stark right and you're it has been noted and joffrey you know kind of brushes it off and then Tyrion slaps him in the face yeah yeah, and then that is not the smartest thing. Um, well, it's it's uh, what, what does the hound say? Um, the little prince will remember that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And that's true. He will. But um, what's crazy is, and we're gonna get into it here. The difference between Joffrey, Tommen, 
and Marcella. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just so different. I was really struck by that when I was reading uh, earlier. Um, and then, real quickly for me, one thing that I was looking at at the beginning of this is that there's a sept yeah. in Winterfell. Yeah. And you kind of forget there's a library. Uh huh. And there's a septon yeah. there. Um, which you totally forget about. What's and the he name? Even, Shale? He, he even, yeah, he even says, like, this is one of the best copies of yes. this scroll I've ever seen. It was, it was the only complete, uh, yeah. you know. It's Valyrian scroll. He's a Valyrian scroll. It's dry. You know, it's it's very rare. It's quite rare. Right. And yours is the only complete. Uh, it's the, um, Eng, what is that word? Engnes of War is quite rare. And yours is the only complete copy I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that was that. That is kind of neat that they have that that because um, you don't think of the Starks as being like uh, very studious. <laughs> yeah. And again, this is a this is something that he made for for Cat, right? Yeah. Didn't he build this for her? Mm-hmm. So was it there before? Yeah, I don't know. You know, but when you when you yeah when you go back in time though, and you look at some of the older Stark lines like Brandon the Builder, perhaps he was probably very studious. You know, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they probably had a library, and maybe it's just like um, so. I'm, you're you're right. the The library itself is still there, but it was just kind of interesting that he's sitting with the Septon, you mm-hmm. know, and they're reading, just yeah. reading together or whatever in the in the library. So, um, and again, it goes back to tell us more about Tyrion. He has studied so much, you know. He yeah. he would know something. I mean, what other lord can you think of that would know, you know, that that was a rare edition of a book? Right. You know what I mean? He's 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 got that obscure. Um, knowledge. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Well, later he goes on to say, like, I read because you know I have to. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yep, absolutely. So yeah, he he hears the the um, the chatter and uh, what's going on down in the um, in the yard, and you know, I mean, jo- gosh, Joffrey's saying things like, um, you know, maybe that I couldn't sleep because of the wolf. Yeah, and uh, Crimea River. Joffrey. Yeah, and. Um, uh, the hound, Sandor Clegane, says, I could take care of it for you. And he says, send a dog to kill a dog, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just so, such an idiot. He's such an idiot. Oh, that's funny. That's real funny, Joffrey. But then like uh, he when, just, uh, when he has this conversation with, uh, you know, Toffee, uh, uh, when he's having his conversation here, with, and the ha- when he shows up to, to Tyrion shows up, and the hound is kind of like a voice from nowhere, spirits of the air. The yeah. hound is you know, kind of making fun of him too. So the Hound and Joffrey's relationship is also quite interesting. And I just, you know, finished my reread of the first book uh, the other day. And I I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't really get it. Sometimes I feel like he likes him and other times I feel like he's just playing. He just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. He's just playing this game. And maybe as Joffrey gets older and crueler, Mm -hmm. he starts to realize what you know how bad Joffrey is, uh, but uh, yeah, like right he, here. Because remember, he saves he saves Joffrey's life at the end of at the end of the the first book mm-hmm. when uh, Joffrey makes Sansa go out and look at Ned Stark's yes. head, yep. and Sansa kind of realizes I could just push him off the edge yep. right here, right now. Yeah, she's like, I'd probably die too, and I think she was going to, yep. but then the Hound steps in front of her. Yeah, and I think he also did that for her too, right? Yeah, because he starts to have a real you know, connection with her. Like he yeah. really cares for her. Um, but it's very subtle and it's very hard to see. And, but you're right. It's very different. Like, well, like, to, like he says things, you know, like the, like the little prince will, will remember that. I'm like, is he just, and he doesn't seem like from the show, obviously right. he's a man who's worried about rising in power and stuff like right. that. He's, you know, 
um, he's more somber in the show. And in this, it seems like he's, 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 you know, agging the prince on a little bit, yeah. saying what he wants to hear. Right. You know, stuff but like that. But he does say that. He says, you know, say what, when he's, when he's talking, when he's talking to Sansa, when Sansa at the end, when, after, when, of uh, the first book, when Sansa is like in her, you know, she's, she, he's bringing her down to be, to court. Mm-hmm. And he's like, just do what he says, just nod, you know, yep. and smile and yep. everything will be fine. Yeah, he's what well, is also too. You just have to be smart enough to play that game. You, right. He knows exactly how to probably manipulate and push the right buttons, and and you know, he's been around this boy prince for so long that right. uh, he he knows how to manipulate him. In yeah, a although sense. he does he does let Tyrion slap him. So, but at this point, he's of course Tyrion. You know, they're both just oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. So he's. I mean, it, he can probably he can get away with that. So yeah. But he knows that someday he'll probably be king. Well, what's crazy is, is you forget Tyrion is their uncle. Right. And you really get that from Tommen and Marcella here in a second. Like you really see they want to know. They think he knows. Yeah. And they think, you know, Tyrion would know the answer. It's like, let's ask Uncle Tyrion. You know, right. and it's just like kind of forget that that's the cool relationship that he has and, and stuff. So we'll get there in, in just a sec. Right. Um, so Tyrion speaks to Joffrey. Yeah. Anything else we wanted to talk about there? I think... I mean that's uh, that's pretty much it. Joffrey just says that you know the the Stark boy is nothing to me. I can't abide by the wailing of women. That's when Tyrion slaps him, mm-hmm. and then Joffrey says one or one word. Tyrion said, and I'll hit you again. I'm going to tell mother. Joffrey explains. Tyrion hits him again, and now both cheeks flamed. You tell your mother. Tyrion told him. But first, you get yourself to Lord and Lady Stark and fall on your knees in front of them, and you will tell them how very sorry you are. And, you know, that's, and he says, do you understand? And then Joffrey looks like he's going to cry. Uh, instead, he managed a weak nod. Then he turned and fled head, headlong from the yard, holding his cheek. Tyrion watched him run. Yeah. And, you know, when Joffrey's not there and his conversation with um, Sandor is, yeah. is a little different, uh, Clegane changes in a sense. And it's just like, like obeys his commands and his orders. He wants to know where, where you know, is Robert uh, still asleep or whatever, and he, he just doesn't mess around with him. Just gives him a straight answer, and then when when he asks where his brother and sister are, he tells him exactly where they're at. Yeah, breaking no fast more, with the queen. Yeah, yeah. There's no more horsing around, though. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a change in tone a little bit, and I think that's just because the presence of Joffrey. He is literally just has a facade when Joffrey's there, and he plays his part. Mm-hmm. He's half. He's he's a little bit more, not half. He's like an eighth, like jester, like when yeah. he has to be, like to, he 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 laughs at his jokes, or he or he, you know, provides him with uh, fodder for good joke making. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's it's something. That's yeah yeah. That's why the hound is you know he when he has in during the siege of the king's landing when he's like no I'm done with this I'm good I'm out yeah yeah exactly and stuff like that. Yep, you're right. Um, Okay, and then th- now we get into uh, Tyrion speaks to to Jamie and Cersei here, mm-hmm. and uh, this conversation is interesting. You kind of yeah. get to see this dynamic between the three of them, and you learn a lot about, um, like just Tyrion. You learn that Tyrion knows. You learn that he knows. He knows right. Al- he, he knows. He knows right away. That's oh, that's he knows. What, ex- he almost knows exactly what happened. Yeah, and he knows about his brother and his sister. Yeah. And he hasn't said anything to anybody, really, right? Yeah. Uh, he probably even knows the true parentage of, of all the children. Oh, I'm sure he does. Sure he does, right? Absolutely. Yeah. He's not He's not an idiot. Do you so, think... So, uh, 
then I don't want to get super far off of this, but there there is some there is some kind of things, and I think this this is really kind of one of the only chapters where you really actually get to see like Jamie with all of the kids at once. In fact, this may be actually the only chapter mm-hmm. like where you really get to see them, and you you know Tyrion talks later. Tyrion's saying something, and Cersei yells at him and says, "You know, get out! The, the, the children don't need to hear this filth." Yeah, but we really but. It doesn't seem to me that like Tommen or Marcella yep. really come across as when you think of like the characteristics of Jamie and Cersei. Yeah. Like I just don't like those both those characters just don't seem to me like like they're really they're kids. Un, un, like, unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. They Yeah. Maybe it's just that they're both so young. But like you would like I mean you look at look at Sansa and look at like people are always Saying, well, Sansa is so much like her mother. Right. I mean, Mar- if Marcella's anything should be anything like her mother, I mean, we, I don't feel like we ever get, you know, her like really playing this Game of Thrones. Right, and I'm trying to find the line where he talks specifically about Marcella and talks about how beautiful she is, just like her mother, but that she doesn't have her mother's nature. Yeah, um, and that that was you know, a comfort to right. Tyrion every time he would, he would see her looks just like her, but nothing like her in nature, yeah. you know, very like, yeah, I wonder why, I wonder why Marcella and Marcella and Tom and are really not really anything like Jamie and Cersei. Um, cause we get so much about Joffrey where later they like later, uh, Cersei is questioning whether or not, at least in the show, Cersei questions. She's like, is this, is he based? Is it like our? You know, it's like the Targaryens. Is this our curse? Is Joffrey our curse for being yeah. together? Well, and also you don't really see th- that could be, and you can also see where um, we don't know what their interaction was is like, if there is any, with Robert Baratheon. Yeah, you know, which is crazy to think about. But does he influence them in some yeah, way? Yeah, because we I don't, we never I don't think we ever hear Tommen at all mention his dad, and the only no. time and the only time Joffrey mentions his dad. Is when he, because um, I was I was watching scenes yesterday from the show, the interaction, the the Tywin Joffrey moments. Yes, those moments yes. are great <laughs> because Tywin just like it's almost like Joffrey is scared of Tywin Lannister, mm-hmm. where Tywin is you know like the real power. Oh yeah, it's great. Like, it is great. He's like the king is tired. Take him to bed. Like yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Like keep in mind, this is the same king who said like off with Ned Stark's head. I know. Like. I know, and well, yeah, Tywin is is pissed about that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's just a that's a this is a dishonorable a, thing to do, and yeah. it was just like under his own children's it watch. A, it's a, yeah, it's also a terrible, terrible move. Yeah. Um, yep. So, anyways, um, but yeah, no, you, they, they are very different. And he, um, you get this conversation with uh, Prince Tommen spoke up. Do you have any news of Bran, Uncle? Uh, I stopped by the sick room last night. Uh, there was no change. The Maester thought. Uh, that a hopeful sign. And then Tommen says, I don't want Bran to die. Um, he was a sweet boy, not like his brother. But then Jamie and Tyrion were somewhat less than peas in a pod themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Lord Eddard had a brother named Brandon as well, Jamie mused. One of the hostages murdered by Targaryen. It seems to be an unlucky name. And um, 
this is something that he he talks about letting his brother slide on some stuff because his brother is one of the only people who's ever shown him kindness and respect right. and and compassion and love perhaps yeah that actually that line actually uh, it seems to be an unlucky name is my uh, quote of this week yeah uh, we can come back we can come back to that because that's going to take us more down the the stark the stark line and what does this li- what does this line mean mm-hmm. of anything and yeah stuff like that so we we can we can save that for a bit um, but let's let's keep going here. Yeah. Um, so he says, uh, oh, uh, not so unlucky as all that, surely. And Cersei says, what do you mean? Uh, she, and then Tyrion is just playing him here a little bit. He gives him this crooked smile. Mm-hmm. Why, only the, why only that Tommen may get his wish. The maester thinks the boy may yet live. He took a sip of beer. Marcella gives a happy gasp. And, uh, and, and Tommen's smiling, right? Um then there's this glance that passed between Jamie and Cersei, lasted no more than a second, but he did not miss it. Mm-hmm. Then his sister dropped her gaze to the table. You know, that is no mercy. They go on to kind of say, like, it'd be, just be better. Yeah, the for, Northern for gods Bran. are cruel. Yeah, just to let him die. And even I think Jamie kind of says later on, like, if you were my son, I would, you know, put him out of his misery, you know, et cetera, or whatever. Um, yeah, and Tyrion's not an idiot. He knows what's going on. He caught that glance. He was looking yes. for that glance to be exchanged, and there it is. There's confirmation. Well, Tyrion, Tyrion the, the thing about Tyrion is that he also he knows he's smarter than most everyone else, mm-hmm. and so he and and he because he tries to, he tries to be smarter than everyone else. And I think this is Gur wanting. To, so think about this. This is as we've we, we've been kind of saying here. You, these early chapters in this book specifically are huge because this right. is like, because now we're so far removed and we have so many other hundreds of characters, but these are the characters that Gurr has a plan for right out of the gate. So this is the first chapter we get. Well, we have Daenerys's chapter, but she's over in Essos, right? So yeah, I mean, her stuff you can kind of say is kind of removed from this, this main storyline here, I mm-hmm. suppose. So this is the first Lannister point of view chapter we get and it's Tyrion, and right. you get you get the sense that Tyrion's okay. Maybe these Baratheons, like, or excuse me, these Lannisters, maybe they're not all bad. Tyrion yeah. doesn't really seem that bad from the two times we've seen him. Every time you've mentioned they've brought up Jamie Lannister, he's one pushed Bran out of a window. Yep, and two, he's you know he he stabbed he stabbed the king in the back. Right, mm-hmm. and so you know that's that's no yeah. I think that's a good point. It, you you. You have to have, and that's why in each and every family, you know, you've got warring families, but, you know, is there someone who you could fall in love with? And you look at, like, the young wolf and what happens to him on the battlefield, mm-hmm. you know, um, with his enemy, you know, mm-hmm. who he had just conquered and ends up, you know, marrying um, one of their own. So so you're right. Yeah, there, there's someone in each house that we kind of have to, and that's what's so neat about this story is right. that, you know, we love Sam Tarley. But we really don't like his father. Right. His brothers just were kind of iffy on right. in the show because we don't really know. I mean, he's, it's, yeah. he's raised that way, you know. Well, well, even 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 if you look at Cersei, there are times, I mean, more often than not, Cersei. You know, at this point, it, Cersei's one of the main, I guess you could say, villains of the show. But that's kind of Gurr's thing. Is Gurr's like, I don't really write heroes and villains. I just write characters. Yeah. And I mean, when Cersei's going through the stuff with the Septums, yeah, I'm you're rooting for her. Yeah. Yeah, and there are times where you are rooting for her, where she is ready to, when she talks about her children. Yeah. And when you hear her story about 
her betrothal to Robert Baratheon. And yeah, and he realized Robert Baratheon was kind of a dick. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she at one point loved him and actually tried to to bear a, ch- a child for him. Yeah. And and lost it and was actually really upset about it. Yeah. And uh, it might even have tried another time after that. Yeah. And it didn't work. And then even after. So well, like we, even, well, I know I know that time, she she tried to have she tried to have one. Or he he did he did actually get her pregnant, but then um, well, at least she says to Ned Stark, "Well, Jamie and I found a way to get rid of it." Oh, really? Yeah, that's when when she, when she's having the conversation. confronted. Yeah, that, when she, when they're having that conversation right before like all hell breaks loose. But the, but that might have been the but se- it, because it, she she was, does I think she does yeah she she does have doesn't she have a stillborn child? Mm-hmm. I think so. So I think I think there I think she does because when she's talking to Robert, you know, yeah. she like. That is a grieving point for them, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Because then um, there's uh oh gosh, because that even happens after on their night on the night of their um, wedding or whatever the bedding ceremony, where he says Liana's he calls, he name. He calls her Liana. Yeah. Even after that, though, she still is right. like fighting through it. Okay. Well, like he's just because I believe she says like I loved you once, and it was when she saw him like yeah. when he's walking and he looks so he's you know he's clean shaven and he's nightly and yeah all all this kind of all this kind of stuff yeah yeah I, did, I I think I think during those times she did try to I bet you she left Jamie she wasn't with Jamie you know and was like mm-hmm. trying to be a good queen and 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 knew that life had to change uh, but then when that didn't work and he was just this as as you say a dick. You know, then she's like, well, I'm, I'm going to roll back to my brother and what's my I'm just going to cling to my family and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So you do kind of root for her a little bit in, in, in that regard. Uh, and then she just turns into a straight evil, you know, uh, witch. So uh, but as this, con- this conversation continues, um, you know, Tyrion just kind of talks more about um, what they're going to do next and and kind of um, gives the kids hope. And then um, <laughs> among the parents there kind of gives a little there's some. They're they're dreading the possibility that he would uh, that Bran would wake up, and uh, they talk about leaving soon. Yeah. Um, I, by the way, I just I just lo- I just looked it up here. I have the the wiki the wiki pulled up here. Um. So ye, uh, yeah, it says uh, after the conclusion of Robert's rebellion, a marriage was arranged between Cersei and the new king, Robert Baratheon. Um. Uh, uh, Cersei was it says that Jamie and Cersei did, however, hook up the morning of her wedding. Okay. Um, but nonetheless, Cersei was first enthralled by the happy crowds at the royal wedding. However, her enthusiasm for the match ended when Robert called her Lyanna during their first night together. The marriage rapidly deteriorated. Um, and so it says it had three kids. So maybe she was pregnant later. And then With, that was, the, and that was the one she like got, it says unwilling to give birth to Robert's child. She sent Jamie out a woman to cleanse her. So, so it seems that maybe so I think maybe she maybe she did have maybe she was pregnant stillborn and then mm-hmm. later she after like maybe when she during some of the other kids yeah is when she is when she had her abortion Okay that's the thing cuz she yeah. had a stillborn right that was Robert's child yeah. right so then you're saying that she got rid of aborted another baby Yeah Okay so I think we were both correct we were both just yeah. Yeah. I did, did not I I don't remember that part, but yeah. um yeah, so I just know that she, you know, at one point in time she did love him for yeah. sure. So Okay, so anyways, they um they're talking about leaving and she basically says, you know, Tyrion kind of mentions that he is not 
um, you know, leaving with them. And they're a little struck by that. And uh, says he's going to the wall. Um, and they kind of tease him a little bit. Uh, or, or, you know, Jimmy says, are you going to take the black? Um, and uh, then this is when they start talking about whores and, you know, being celibate and mm-hmm. things like that. And that's where Cersei says, the kids don't need to hear this filth, you know, um, and kind of, you know, takes them out, gets them out of the room or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, talks more about their... Um, about the idea of Ned Stark um, not actually leaving Winterfell and going down to King's Landing. Uh, Jamie regarded his brother thoughtfully with those um, cool green eyes. Stark would never consent to leave Winterfell with his son lingering in the shadow of death. Tyrion says he will if Robert commands it, and Robert will command it. There is nothing Lord Eddard can do for the boy in any case. All right, and then uh, that's where Jamie kind of says that he could... He could end his torment. Right. Um, And then Tyrion goes on to say, uh, Tyrion replied with a shrug and an antiquated uh, twist of his shoulders, speaking for their grotesques, uh, because he's saying, he's saying it's God, it's worse than being a cripple. I beg to differ. Death is so terribly final while life is so full of possibilities. And uh, that's one of those, that's another one of those lines that has been highlighted a uh, 5,453 times. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the reason being is because Jamie is literally the one who goes through that. You yeah. know, his hand is taken from him, and I think there are times where he wishes he maybe could die, but then realizes all the different possibilities. You know, um, we'll even look at Bran. If Bran were, to, I mean, Bran becomes you know the three eyed crow or the three eyed raven. I mean, mm-hmm. instead of instead of dying. So yeah, it's just the irony that he's speaking to Jamie. Yeah. You know, who's the one who's saying? Calling him a grotesque, oh, and, absolutely. and then it ironically happens to him, you know. Yeah. Uh, later on, so, um, so as Tyrion then, you know, poking the bear a little bit, says, "I hope the boy does wake. I would be most interested into hear into hearing what he has to say." Um, and his brother's his smile, you know, changes, and he's he's just sort of like, "I wonder which side you were on," you know. Uh, he starts to kind of, um, because I just it's like this unspoken thing that Tyrion knows what's going right. on. Yeah. And um, why would you want that? You know, uh, they're too smart. Like, like Tyrion's smarter, but they're smart enough to they, they have to know that their younger brother suspects. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're at least that smart. You know. So. So, anyways, um, yeah, he says, yeah, uh, yeah my, my Jamie, my sweet brother. He says, you wound me. You know how much I love my family. Yeah. Right. And the irony there is he does know how much he loves slash does not love yeah. his family. Well, uh, I, think and the that tr- Tyr- I think that Tyrion actually does love his family. It's just that his family doesn't love him back. Yeah. I think I think that I like it's it's never that it the things that Tyrion does is never because he outright hates his family. It's because Tywin Lannister treats him, you know. Like with yeah. disdain, and then you know Cersei also doesn't like him either, right? Yep. So really, it's just Jamie that he that he loves Jamie, and Jamie loves them. So it's sort of a through association, All right? Love anymore, yeah. you know? So and then and then it's question it's questionable whether or not you know Jamie and Cersei love each other at the end. Yeah. Uh, at least in the at least in the show, it seems like Jamie's saying no, we're we're done here. So yeah, he doesn't show a lot of emotion, and of course he can't really. But for his air quote here, children, right? Yeah. But um, isn't it, uh, you know, later on, he does show 
after Robert Baratheon is gone, yeah. um, some emotion and stuff. And so, you know, and it's the actions of his sister that cause a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, so, so there's well, that. Well, he does, he does at least, uh, in the show, um, doesn't he try to tell Marcella like, Oh, Hey, I'm your, in the show, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't it, think that's in the. I don't think that's no. In the book, in the book right now, she is in route she's, to. Right. Um, she's coming back. Um, I don't know. If she, I, I can't remember exactly where she's at. I know she was. She was fleeing in some regard. Um, there was a, somebody tried to assassinate her, I think, and uh, she is. Um, she's saved by one of the king's guard. Yeah. Um, the, the- what do you got? Uh, during, uh, Kevin discusses the preparations were made for Marcella's return, so she's she's returning. Preparations were made. Yeah, for her for her return from, from in the, the in the book in the book. Yeah, where does she end up though? Where is she at currently in the book? I believe she's still in Dorne. This is because uh, it ends the uh, during her imprisonment by the Faith. Cersei Lannister learns of Gerald's attack on her daughter from her uncle, Sir Kevin Lannister. Kevin tells her that Marcella blames Darkstar for both. The attack on her, as well as the date, the death of Aris. During a meeting of the small council, Kevin discusses the preparations for Marcella's return. The princess has begun her journey to King's Landing with Nymeria. Oh, Nymeria Sand. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, and that's possibly where where she'll be. Um. If it's true to the show, yeah, where she'll be assassinated, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's poisoned in the show, isn't she? Uh, yeah, like the kiss or whatever, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly why all this was going on though with her. Um, well, well, Tyrion, well, Tyrion, uh, when he's hand of the king, basically marries her off, right? Yeah, to Dorne, yeah. But no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking oh. about like the uh, in, when she's in Dorne. These uh, there's a subplot that's going on with Ariana. Martell, and they're trying to involve Marcella in the subplot. And I don't know. I think it's in a, a move against um, the Prince of Dorne. Okay. Um, Dorne Martell. Dorne Martell, yeah. Yeah, so I can't remember exactly, because that's true in the show, too. They do plot against him. And I think a part of this is some foreshadowing as to, like, like they're, they, they wanted her to be, you know, they want her to be... Um, the queen, right? I right. think yeah, she's yeah. next in line, that sort of piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To get revenge against the Lannisters for the deaths of Oberyn and Elia Martell, Ariane schemes to crown Marcella queen after Joffrey's death. Since Marcella is older than Tommen, Ariana hopes that the Dornishmen will rise to defend her claim for a chance to war against the Lannisters who would be expected to support Tommen. Mm hmm. Yeah, so they're using her uh, yeah. essentially, so they could cause it, some war. As we've as we've been saying, the shows in the book are so different. She may not die, right? She may not in in the in the books, and maybe we do get a thing between her and Jamie, like a moment between her and Jamie. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I was looking at where Tommen names the uh, one of the uh, the ships after his sister. Like the relationship between those two is interesting to me as well. But we can get into that more later. Yeah. Um, just kind of a sidebar. So, all right, on to um, cool connections. Do you have any, we have any cool connections for this week? Uh, yeah, so the cool connections for this week, I'm doing the 14 Flames, which we talked about in our World of Ice and Fire 
um, book. So basically, it's the fort. It's an immense chain of volcanoes extending across the now shattered Valyrian Peninsula. There were deep mines beneath the fourteen flames, and their uh, the fires lit the Valyrian freehold knights of old. Um, the Valyrians were originally a shepherding folk of the Valyrian Peninsula when they discovered the dragons uh, laring in the fourteen flames. Yeah. However, their rise, uh, however, their rise to power began. The Valyrians believed that dragons were the children of the volcanoes. Valyria sent slaves of a hundred different nations to mine beneath the fourteen flames, searching for gold, silver, and other ores. The worst slaves were sent down to die in the red darkness of the mines. The mines of old Valyria were always hot, and they grew hotter as shafts were driven deeper into the earth. The slaves uh, toiled in an oven, the rocks around them too hot to touch. The air stank of brimstone and seared the slaves' lungs as they breathed. Sometimes when they broke through a wall in search of gold, they would find steam, boiling water, or molten rock. Certain shafts were cut so low that slaves had to crawl or bend. Sometimes fireworms were encountered in the red darkness in the shafts of the mines or uh, by the slaves, leaving only burnt and blackened corpses. Yet some of the mines uh, dove deeper. Slaves perished by the score, but their masters did not care. Mm. The doom of Valyria, an eruption of all of the 14 flames, destroyed the Valyrian freehold. Great earthquakes destroyed settlements, mountains exploded, and fires burned so hot that even dragons were killed. The Venerian Plensa became separated from the now-ruined lands of the Long Summer by the Smoking Sea. Um, and we kind of talked a little bit about this in the world of ice and fire here. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of it about the 14 flames, but it is interesting. So maybe that's, you, you know, this, cause the dragons, dra- dragon eggs are talked about coming from like beyond a shy. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we see dragons coming from Valyria and you know some theorize that maybe there's ice dragons you know yeah. in, in the land of always always winter so just because the targaryens maybe have the power to control these dragons we you kind of look at you kind of look at them together who knows maybe maybe the night king is also part targaryen you never know and that's yeah. why he can that's why he has why he can control an ice dragon yeah, 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 exactly. So when you were, let's see, you got some quotes in here. Um, did you read all these quotes? Too? No, I didn't read these quotes. Um, just what is this Tyrion? Um, these, yeah, these are just quotes from the uh, that are that are that where they mention it from. In where the they books. mention it? Okay, yeah. gotcha. Because um, I was wondering where, like, was it? Did you say that it was destroyed or it wasn't destroyed? We don't know. Well, I mean, it. They're volcanoes, so they. I think it was part of. I think they're still mostly there, but it destroyed the cities of Valyria, for sure. <laughs> you know, that's my is is it? So if this is where they found dragons. Yeah. You know what I mean? If this is where dragons sort of originated from, because yeah, well, because know. the Valyrians. What doesn't it say that at one point they were um, goat herders and yeah. sheep? You know, they're herdsmen, yeah. right? And then they discovered these dragons, right? Yeah. And made a connection with them. So they don't really come from Volantis or Valyria, um, but they come from the 14 flames. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think. Is that what it's saying? I think so, but the Valyria is like right there. I mean, it's. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's right there. It's, a, it's in the middle of the. Yeah. It's, it's the middle of the sea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's, it's a way. It's actually, it's actually, so uh, Valyria is here and it's over here. Yeah. So that's the, they were sending slaves down to it. So I'm saying, is it still there? Is my question. Yeah, 
That's a good question. So I like, don't think it really says. And if it doesn't say, that's fine, you know. Um, but it seems like a mysterious place that's like dangerous and yeah, it says, where they're it says, mining. Yeah, the Doom of Valyria, an eruption of all the 14 flames destroyed the Valyrian freehold. Great earthquakes, but it doesn't say that the... Uh, and so it says all the 14 flames yeah. were part of the eruption. Yeah. Okay. Um, so could it still be there, remnants of it, etc. Yeah. But the 14 flames... It's but the way it shows it on this map here is it's just just one spot, doesn't it? Yeah. Or is it showing it in multiple spots? I think it's just showing that one spot, an immense chain of volcanoes extending across the now shader, uh, shattered Venerian Peninsula. So maybe it was there, maybe because now it's now shattered. Yeah, because I'm just looking at the one that you put in here. So this yeah, one, that's that's the one from the wiki. That, are you saying that's 14 flames? The that's, red dot. That, that's what the wiki uh, appears to make it. Because over like. here is a, a shy. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Old Gis is actually to the right. east of it. And then um, Valeria would be back to the west. So, you know, just kind of interesting where that um, is located. And that's something that is probably not. Well oh, no, sorry. When I when I pulled it from the, when I pulled it from the wiki, it, it changed it. There's the 14 flames is actually in the. OK, that's that what makes, I was wondering. that makes way more sense. All right. All right. Gotcha. Because that was that's really confusing. So it yeah. is then right in the freehold. Right. It's right in the freehold. Okay. And that's and it is not. So there are, when you look at the different um, maps and, you know, pre-Doom, post-Doom, mm -hmm. um, there are a few things still there, like a few islands and right. what have you. And they're probably just under, you know, it's the water, what have you. I don't know. It's, it could just be that there. So there's, there's still something there, I guess, is my point. Is, yeah. is that could you go back to that point? And since all the land is sort of destroyed, like in ships, you know, possibly see dragons there again mm -hmm. you know what i mean just because you've got the eggs um that daenerys has but is there a possibility that there could be more coming back yeah i don't know it's my question with um with that candle being lit again in old town you know it, as it's, it's, it's just lit it's, it's just a candle i'm I'm with the maesters on that one it's just it's just it's a candle, just a candle. It's, supposed to, it's supposed to light but they couldn't light it <laughs> so that's why you know they couldn't light it so they're pissed yeah um okay all right, well, um, so cool. There's some cool connections for you guys, just a little bit of extra um, extra stuff. We have, uh, um, we're going to move into the next section here. So send us a raven. Um, we really do want to thank you guys for all of your support uh, here on the show. We, we get new listeners every week. It's been wild uh, trying to keep track of it all, but it is, it is a lot of fun. And, uh, again, the purpose of this, too, is to create a club and a community in a place where we can kind of learn from you guys. We learn new stuff from, you know, Lord Adam Parker and, and, uh, and, and, and Kelsey and Kat and Lady Cat and, and, you know, Maester Evans and all these different people, um, you know, Maester DeShane, all these mm -hmm. different folks. You, you learn when they send us, you know, comments and thoughts and stuff uh, throughout the week. We do more research. It sends us, it sends us on, a, on a tangent this way. I think Maddie V and Aziz mm -hmm. have done some really good jobs sending us in different tangents. Those guys have got us all over mm -hmm. um, Westeros and Essos, which is fine, which is great. Um, and that's the whole point. We've got this lull until November 20th. Yeah. So stick with us, okay, and let's learn as much as we can, uh, and let's just keep reading through this series, because that's the great part about books. You know, you can return to them, and, and there's more there each time. You know, the first time you watch a movie, um, you want people to be like, oh, it was good. That was good. And then when you come back the second time, you want there to be things that you didn't see the first time. Oh, absolutely. Like, well, I didn't see that the first time. Look at that. 
You know, I, I, yeah. I, I just caught that Easter egg. You know, and then, then a third well, and, time, there's, and, there's even more. And not only that, but, you know, as we learn new information and even when you, you pick up, as Sir Ezra just said, old information you didn't realize, it causes other information. Yep. To, like now every time old Nan speaks, I'm like, okay. What she saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big... <laughs> You're overanalyzing what you do yeah. to, to then, the extreme, which is and then good. as we as we dive in on like our on our on our follow up Friday when we start talking about theories, that causes you to look at information differently as well. You know, mm-hmm. I I just I just listened to a theory. I guess you know, say play again the order of the green hand. Um, that old Nan is Lady Weber from the Duncan Egg series, and now every time I hear wow. her Spock speak, I'm like, wow, that changes a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I will say for the Order of the Green Hand that they at least have have picked a theory and they have stuck with it. Yeah. And they have woven it into to everything they everything do. that they do, which is very unique. Yeah. Um so because they're big believers that it's not um R plus L equals J, well, their big theory is it's, what? Is it's in N plus, plus A, A equals, equals J, J. Yeah. right? Ned and Ashara Dane. Ashara Dane, yeah. And so they're all about House Dane. Yeah. And to be quite honest with you, this all may go that way. Like <laughs> <laughs> It actually may legitimately go that way. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it looks like they're hinting at R plus L plus J a lot. Yeah. And this other, this other piece with Ned and Ashara is meant to throw us off. But really, it might be the real thing. Might be the other way around. <laughs> it's just crazy. Right. It's absolutely crazy, and that's that's the approach they've taken, and they've stuck in with it. So, uh, kudos to them. Uh, huge shout out to them. If you haven't checked them out, you need to do so because we will be referring uh, to those folks, and and that's our you know, that's our job. We want to collaborate with you guys and other um, you know podcasters and YouTubers and stuff. So mm-hmm. we've reached out to yeah, a yeah, few yeah, different people. Yeah, the whole we're just try, we're just it, it's all about the community. Mm-hmm. Is the song of ice. Song of Ice and Fire community, and that's everybody. Somebody says something, brings up a, a theory. It's like, wow, I don't know. You never thought about that, and then it changes everything. Yeah, and, and I and I've heard uh, people say that um, most of the theories that can be made are 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 out there. I don't think so. I've got <laughs> one that we are working on, mm-hmm. and I have one as well that we're working on. That and there's out. holes in it. There's a lot of holes in in my in, in my theory, but I think when we talk about what we talked about earlier today, the fact that we could be lied to by these maesters. Mm-hmm. That we have unreliable uh, uh, narrators, um, records aren't as clear as we might think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, even if you look at the show, when Sam is saying, "Hey guys, uh, I've seen, I've seen them, like seen the others," and they're like, "Yeah, I don't think so," right? <laughs> so even well, even the show picks up on that. How many people know from the show, right? Based on the show, how many people in Westeros actually know that Rhaegar had his marriage annulled? Like three, like you know. But, but I mean, yeah, that's after Sam finds it out. Mm-hmm. Who knew before Sam found it out? Well, somebody because he wrote it down. They wrote it down. It was a secret. So you had a maester who knew it, and this happened in secret. However many years ago, did anybody else know? I will say that the Dornish did not like the treatment of Elia Martell by Rhaegar. Yeah. So they weren't quick to join. He had Dornishmen, they say, at the Trident, mm-hmm. but they weren't quick to join his cause, and very little fighting happened in Dorne. Does because of that, Arthur Dane. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he does. Because there's uh, there's that whole piece. That, if, there's if these mants. That, that yeah, that's uh, that's some that's some theories we're going to be diving into. There's a lot about Arthur Dane. Yeah, 
that there we're, sure is. Uh, we're beginning to. Why to not? I don't even know if it's more. If it's if it, it's two things. There's a lot about Arthur Dane, and there's a a hell of a lot about Mance Raider. Yeah. And so whether you call them one and the same or two separate characters, it doesn't matter. They're both mentioned here in these early on uh, books. Yeah. And they're significant. And uh, just uh, I will I will give, I'll give these guys another plug. Something that I I never caught. But uh, go watch the scene. Now, obviously, in the books, it's way different. Yeah. Because it's not our, uh, Mance Raider who dies. But go watch the scene where Mance Raider's being burned. And yeah. he says, I wish you good fortune in the wars to come. Yeah. And then the only other person who says that is Arthur Dane before he fights Ned Stark, saying, I wish you good fortune in, in the, the wars, wars to, to come. come. It's something, isn't it? It gives me chills just yeah. kind of thinking about it. And like, why would, and, and my, my thing is, is that, is that why would you say that? To, to Ned Stark. Why would, why would you why would you for when someone shows up that you're supposed you're supposed to be protecting and slay whoever else is there? Oh, that was the only one. He, why would like why would you why would you say that if you if your idea is I'm going to kill these people? Let me tell you because I hold on Go just be, just because think about this real quick. <laughs> this is what we're calling uh, this is the this is the uh, rabbit hole sec- segment. That's of, fine of, of the show. But think about this when the the Viper is fighting the Mountain mm-hmm. and the the Viper wants something from the mountain. He says, do you know why I'm You're like, do you know who I am? And the yeah. mountain says some dead man. Cause that's yeah. all he cares about. Is right. That's, that's what's in front of him. So if Arthur Dane's goal is to kill anyone who comes up to that tower to protect it, mm-hmm. then why would he say, I wish you good fortune in the wars to come? You would tell, right. right. tell you, I got <laughs> my hand raised <laughs> because he says that to Eddard Stark, because he was told to say to Sir Eddard that he wished him good fortune in the wars to come because there was only one man he would not kill. It's possible. There's only one man. He was going to kill every single one of those other men. And he might have died in the process. Yeah. But all of those Kingsguard knew that Ned is the only one who's allowed to go up to that tower. None of the the other members could know the secret. Mm -hmm. He could know the secret. And he was the only one that was trusted with it. Yeah. I just kind of think that. And yeah. I think that's why he would say that, to say, you know, he was going to disarm. I mean, the rest of them are dead. Yeah. But, Ned, I do wish you good fortune in the wars to come. You'll survive this conflict. Yeah. Um, and I might not make it. And so I want to say that before I. Well, I think before that we start. W- well, in, in the fight itself, now, again, they could just be making it Hollywood, look, let's have a look, cool-looking fight. But in the fight itself, it... it when you watch it, it looks almost as if, like, if Arthur Dane, if Arthur Dane wanted to kill Ned Stark, wanted to kill Ned Stark, he would have. He would have, and he didn't. He didn't. No, he was going to disarm him. I mean, he yeah. needed to. Dis- he was a skilled swordsman, and he can't. Arthur Dane's probably. I'm, I will. Arthur Dane's probably the second best swordsman that we've ever heard of. With I would, I would say Barristan Selmy's probably in his prime mm-hmm. could beat. Arthur Dane. I mean, think about think. I mean, think that about, would be a I match mean, to behold. I mean, think about this for a second, right? Yeah. Think about how good Duncan the Tall is. Yeah. And then Sir Barristan Selmy beats him when he's like sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. Then Barristan Selmy says, when Joffrey like kicks him out, he mm-hmm. says, "Even now," and he's like ninety years old. Yeah. I could cut through all of you. Yeah. Like butter. Like no question. Yeah, like you're talking about a 90 year old guy or whatever. He's really old. He's old. Yeah, he's old. Whatever. Yeah, slaying five other like Kingsguard who were supposed to be the best. Like, oh, just, and he would have. Just no question. And um, I believe him. 
Oh, I do too. Because you don't say that in front yeah. of the king and his court. Yeah. Right there with all these people around unless you actually can follow through. And it's possible that Arthur Dane may be even better than that. I know. So there's no way that Ned Stark, who's like 16. There's no way. <laughs> there's no, there's just no way that. Yeah. And so literally he would have been spared. He would have been taken up to the Tower of Joy and he, they would have been, this is the secret. And here's what we do. And to be honest with you, the show did it differently, but the book may actually do it that very way. It may. And the story is that I defeated Sir Arthur Dane, killed him, took his sword. Did he take his body back or just his sword? Just the sword. Because See, because supposedly, so this is a big thing. Supposedly yeah. they like tear the Tower of Joy down and yeah. like, and, and bury them yeah. using its things. Using exactly. like horses. They exactly. just pull down a tower. So all those guys end up where? You know, at the wall or beyond. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just it's 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 something. We're gonna we need to stop. We need to stop. We need to stop. Yeah, we, this, we'll get into more of it later. Yeah. But it is. It's a it's a huge theory we're working on. Yeah, it's that, and that's just just that's one. We've got another yeah, one concerning another Targaryens that we are going to be bringing forward soon. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back on that. All right, guys. So send us a Raven um, at BTK Cast. We have one that we are tabling for next week. We thought we were closer to the Danny chapter. We have to get to John, and at the end of chapter John, we will read uh, Maester Jamie of the White Owls. Um, Raven. She also wrote a, um, she and Lady Cat of the Woodland Realm. Uh, both sends us a raven concerning Danny and her chapter uh, to come. Yep. But I will say real quick. Yes, the they kind of this so not, I don't want to I want to save it for what they say. But a, a big thing they talk about is the difference between the books and the show. Yeah, and then it's they have there's a lot of truth to it. What they say. Oh, for sure. It's a it's a good. And it's it kind of goes back to what Sir Ezra was just you know yeah. ranting about. It's it's a good raven. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's a good raven, and it's something we we can't wait to show. I was hoping I could share it this week, but Danny's chapter happens in two weeks. So right. we thought it was. Yeah, good. we'll get it this uh, next Sunday, and uh, and probably go on a nice big uh, rabbit hole adventure with this as well. Yeah. So that'll be fun. So. All right, guys, um, time to man the wall. Um, our invite to our Patreon.com. We have uh, some stuff. I'm actually I'm going to be working on it. Well, let's see. Today will be Monday for you guys. We record these on Sunday. Um, so these should be posted this week, some more Patreon uh, mm-hmm. material. We've got a little update, a little, um, what do we call this? We're calling, uh, calling the banners. Yeah, call, yeah calling the banners. Um, it's basically just a little uh, update, business update, sort of a Patreon update uh, with Matt and I. And uh, yeah, it's just we also kind have, of. I believe a food review coming soon. Yep, yep, we've got that, and uh, our and, first HBO show comparison. Right, we got that coming as well, and uh, I'm working on a I'm working on a Black Council episode mm-hmm. one because it just so much of the histories are happening. We've got to get them in before Fire and Blood. Yeah, you know, hits the fan. So, <laughs> so all right, so uh, check us out there at uh, Patreon forward slash. Um, bend the knee. We actually are ordering shirts. What is today? Today is April 29th. So, so tomorrow's so this week. Yeah, this week, Tuesday, mm-hmm. I think. We're going to order shirts for everybody who um, is signed up on, on Patreon there. So, um, yeah, if you guys want to sign up, head on over there. We would love to see people, you know, uh, join the community. Uh, get your sigil made. Get your, you know, your your name and your, um, your, your house words. We'll refer to those uh, here on the show. We always have the doc pulled up, too, where we have our, our community. So, like, as I go to mention someone's name, I pull up their their actual Westerosi name. Mm-hmm. And, or uh, Essos. It's fun. Oh, or Essos. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want, you know. So definitely check that out, guys. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun, and we're trying to make it, um, you know, uh, something neat. And, and we are... 
raising the rigor of content on our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, when the Black Council hits, it's not going to be just like a formal like, oh, it's just Matt Nez kind of, you know, shooting the shit. No, there's going to be some deep sweaty stuff <laughs> yeah. there, and it's it's literally it's uh, it's it's more of our we will have be we will have done a, a crap ton of research. And so we're going to record us researching that and diving into some of these deeper um, histories and, and the mysteries of the tourney at Heron. Mm-hmm. So. so. All right, guys. Well, as always, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 10, John. Yes. So if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, uh, like us, write a review, or leave a comment. You can send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We'll see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming.